0: Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes, thanks for joining me. Calendar has turned over. Wanna wish everybody a healthy and happy new year. I'm gonna talk about U.S. consumer wealth and their behavior this last Christmas season. Last few decades in the S&P 500, getting a lot of press. And some of the thoughts about what 2020 ought to look like globally, how the rest of the world is doing. U.S. GDP came in, when we look at the numbers, 2.1 for the third quarter. Right now, I think GDP's tracking about two. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be in the high ones, but two's pretty good. The chances of those numbers changing enough to have a recession in 2020 are still remote. Probably 2021 as well. The ISM, the Institute of Supply Management, non-manufacturing numbers improved a little bit. The manufacturing numbers, the more traditional numbers, are still low, still under 50. When you have a number under 50, you're not in expansion, technically, where it's so 47.2. I will remind everybody that manufacturing is really only 15% of our economy, though it seems to get a lot of attention. Unemployment, three and a half. Oil is down below 60. The rest of the numbers are pretty good. Consumer spending for Christmas was good. I think it'll reflect in a lot of earnings numbers that come out in the first quarter. We'll get an earnings season here in a few weeks. But if you notice here, this is revolving and non-revolving debt. Revolving meaning credit cards and non-revolving meaning boat loans. Still trending down. Total debt held by the U.S. consumer is still trending down. Savings is trending up. It's running about 8%. Consumers are spending. They are the driving force of this economy. They are not accumulating debt as usual. This is one of the other things that has not changed in the last couple of years. The Federal Reserve put out the how wealthy are the consumers' numbers. On the left-hand side, you notice the red. That's the financial assets of the U.S. consumer. Far and away bigger than the non-financial assets. And it's safe to assume that Equity in homes is a non-financial asset, but everything else, 401Ks, bank accounts, that sort of stuff, it's a big number. A lot of this is the S&P 500, of course, and other places to invest in the U.S. But over there on the right-hand side are basically the debt portion of the U.S. consumer. Big chunk is mortgage, though it's a relatively small chunk. The rest, credit cards, and a little tiny bit of other, student loans being one. The S&P 500 has been on an interesting run. We're now in the longest expansion in history, 120 plus months. This chart goes back to the S&P 500 in about 1957. It's the red line. You'll notice the S&P 500 has gone through many periods of steep, very productive growth. We've just had another one, a little longer than most, but not dramatic. There's no reason to believe the S&P 500 is grossly overinflated. It's not. It's simply up there tracking what earnings have been in those companies. It's about a 7% growth. We had another great year last year. The uh, numbers of companies that their stock value has exceeded their 200-day moving average it's about 82%, it's right up there towards the top. It supports the idea of a nice correction. A month or so ago, I said it'd be great to have a 20% correction. I'm now up to a 25% correction. No drama, place is not gonna fall apart. It would just be a nice buying opportunity. The rest of the marketplace can be gauged on one of many technical things. This is short interest. Short interest is kind of a term meaning money that's been borrowed to buy shorts against the S&P 500. A short is you think the market is going to drop, so you buy down low in anticipation of making money on the gap. Well, short interest rates is way down. It's way low. People aren't using it. People aren't shorting the S&P 500. They're hanging on to it. Now, that's a lot of institutions. That's some... large investors it's not necessarily indicative of what's going to happen in the future but it is very clear that there's not a lot of interest in getting out of the S&P 500 or that there's any drama or worry that the markets are extended beyond where they ought to be they're not the bond side of thing which is another market you notice the blue here the white lines with the blue field That's the 10-year treasury. When that line goes down, it's not bad news in the bond market, that's good news in the bond market. That's the yield coming down, meaning people are paying more for the bond driving the yield down. And there are people buying the 10-year treasury half a percentage point below inflation. The yellow is the core CPI up there in the twos. you have to wonder why somebody would buy into a long-term bond like that when inflation is actually eroding its purchasing power, but it means a couple of things. One, people aren't worried about inflation, quite rightly. There's nothing out there that would suggest inflation is going anywhere but horizontally or down. They need the liquidity that a treasury bond will give them, and they don't mind the difference in the yield. So, Bond markets have done real well. Granted, the first part of 2019, that was the Federal Reserve lowering rates, three-quarters of a point. I don't think that's going to have any impact going forward because rates are very stable right now. It's not reasonable to assume there's going to be any change in the rates from the Federal Reserve in 2020. Well, if the data changes, we'll keep you updated, but chances are they're going to stay right where they are. If there are any movements at all in that rate, it'd probably be down. So no issue there. Petroleum, if you were thinking that's a source of inflation or an issue with the consumer, it's not. The United States is still a net exporter of oil. The amount we're importing is way down We don't buy that much stuff anymore. We don't buy that much gasoline, diesel, oil energy products that much anymore. That number's down and trending lower. Some of it's electric cars, some of it's alternative forms of energy. It's still important. We've been through hydrocarbons before. It's still important, it's just not what it once was. And if you look at the autos, People are buying trucks, not cars. This has been going on for years. Again, this isn't a transition into electric cars yet, but there are simply fewer sales, fewer cars out there. People are getting around different ways. Again, non-inflationary, and nor is this ever going to be a major driver in the economy anymore. The auto industry isn't what it once was, not only in the U.S., but globally. The other side of the inflation coin is this. I always talk about energy. This is solar and wind projects liable to come online. If you look down here, at 2020, the estimate is, it could be another 200 gigawatts of power around the world. Well, Hoover Dam, just as a comparison, puts out two gigawatts. So what we're talking about, the addition from solar and wind, gets more significant every year, and it doesn't back off very much. It is digging into that renewable side of energy more and more to the detriment of coal, hydrocarbons, and a number of other things. Not replacing them yet, making them less significant. That trend is clearly accelerating faster than a lot of people believed. What's going on on the rest of the globe? Well, one of the ways you look at that is the money aggregates. In this case, it's a technical term known as M2, money out in circulation, derived from the use of credit. And it is picked up everywhere, including a little tiny bump up in Japan. That's good news. The U.S. has picked up a lot. European Union, even the U.K., separate from the European Union, is picking up. More activity more money coming through the credit cycles, which is where money gets created. Things are starting to turn around and get a little more positive. A lot of you have seen new positions in emerging markets in your portfolios. This is why. Finally, there were a couple of questions about what was going on in China again and how important the trade deal is. Again, a trade deal is not important to anybody but China. But basically, this is what the direct investment from the Chinese has looked like in the last 10 years. This is indicative of really the huge growth and the impact they had for a while in the world using direct investment. That means they come in and buy something. Our last trip through Europe, we went to several places, a shoe factory and some other manufacturing places that had been bought by the Chinese closed. That manufacturing moved to China for their market share. Well, that's standard. Those businesses in the rest of Europe and Eastern Europe, though not nearly as much activity, remain closed to this day. And the Chinese aren't out buying things anymore. One, there's a huge restriction on capital leaving the country. They need the capital at home, pay off debt and a few other things, and they really aren't quite as popular as they once were around the world. So no drama in the S&P 500. It would be great if we had a correction, be a great buying opportunity. The rest of it looks fine. Just a change in the calendar. Well, I appreciate you joining me. As usual, if there are any questions or comments, send them along to info at Thanks for joining me.